0: Every product seller's worst nightmare is launching and getting zero sales. How do you prevent that? Ensure you're creating a product your dream client actually wants and needs. Today we're talking with Raina Pomeroy about just that. You are listening to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast where we feature everyday rebel women just like you who are taking charge of their life and creating a path to financial freedom by building a business online. I'm your host, Eden Freed, and it's time to build your empire. Welcome, welcome, welcome back, rebels! I got a good one for you today. Reina's on the show. Can you tell I'm excited? Reina Pomeroy is a certified coach and founder of Reina and Co. Through Reina's signature program, Dreamy Client Magnet, creative entrepreneurs get laser focused so they can book more dreamy clients with ease, get paid to do what they love, and have the freedom and flexibility to enjoy it all. She is an ICF certified coach, speaker, educator, author, and podcaster. When not fully immersed in her company, which is rarely ever, you'll find Raina supporting students at Stanford University's Graduate School of Business. Raina's work has also been featured on the top charts of iTunes podcasts, TheEntrepreneur.com, Influencer Podcast, Entrepreneur on Fire Podcast, Brit Co., The Huffington Post, and The Rising Tide Society. Reina and I have a great conversation. We're going to be talking about a few different things. Number one, making sure that you don't create a product in isolation. Basically, this is when you assume your audience needs something and you create it for them or you just decide you want to make something and then you present it to your customer crossing your fingers and hoping that they want to buy it all without validating that your customer actually wants or needs that product or offer. This is a recipe for disaster. Do not do it. We also talk about ensuring that you're creating a customer-centric offer, meaning your customer has actually told you in one way or another that they want or need your product. We talk all about ensuring you communicate your offer well to your dreamy customer so that they know that it's right for them. Okay, enough background. Let's dive in. Welcome, Reina. So excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I always like to start off by inviting you to tell us a little bit more about who you are and your background. Let's get everyone acclimated with you. Tell us who you are.
1: So I am Raina Pomeroy. I run Rain Co, which is a life and business success coaching practice. I like to call myself a focus coach. So I see a lot of entrepreneurs trying all the things, doing all the things, and getting kind of burnt out by all the options, right? And I like to help people focus on what's most important so that the needle actually moves in the right direction on their businesses. And so for the past four years that I've been running my business, part of the time has been solely dedicated to working with people one-on-one. I learned so much about my dreamy client and now I have a program called Dreamy Client Magnet. And, you know, I started out with like this huge money mindset block of like, I don't really like to sell. I don't really need to make money, but like truly we do, right? Like as heart-centered, kind, giving, generous human beings, we can't just, go out to help people. We have to, you know, be willing to like ask for the sale. And now I'm in a place of such I'm just so lucky to be able to work with people who are in a similar place, like have that heart centered like wanting to give mentality, but also have something super significant to contribute to the world. And so now we teach people how to do this for themselves to help them articulate what is most important to them and really basically make more money doing what they love to book more clients and the best part is to have that freedom and flexibility we started this business for in the first place
0: absolutely i love that you mentioned um that you work like with that you spent a lot of time with people one-on-one and that that's how you've learned a lot about your customer i think there's nothing better than that and i don't know if you can talk a little bit more about this but do you think that that's something that people almost like avoid when they're starting to figure out like adding in some additional income to their business and figuring out what their customers want? Do you feel, do you feel like people avoid that one-on-one conversation?
1: I think so. I don't know what it is because most of my people are um, introverts. And so they want that like more high intimacy contact, but... At the same time, they want that passive stuff, right? Because it feels easier. But I have found that when you get paid to do the one-on-one work, you're actually getting paid for market research right? You're getting paid to understand what's in their brains, what's necessary, what are the kinds of things that they're always going to ask you about. And by working with people one-on-one, you kind of get a sense of like what the patterns are and then you get to create a cool framework, which I think the framework, uh, like creating a framework around the work that you do is one of the best ways to get into the passive income stages of your business. And when you do it sooner, it it might flop because you're creating an isolation. You're trying to like figure out, kind of like trying to read people's minds, but you don't really know what's in people's minds. Um, We're talking all about the heck yes offer. And that's really about like being able to intuit and know what's in people's minds and how they talk about the problems that they're having.
0: So basically without talking to your people, there's just no way to predict mind read what they want.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, do you like, do you feel like, if people were trying to speak your language, but they weren't really quite speaking your language, you would want to buy their thing? Probably not. right? oh, It's the opposite of a heck yes. That's a heck no. Yeah. It's like, Ooh, I don't really let, I don't really want that. Or like, it just doesn't like register as even a thing that's for you. So yeah.
0: When we're talking about creating an isolation, tell us a little bit more about the damaging effects of that are. (laughs)
1: it, it is right. I've, I've done this in the past. So when I had my first business, which was the wedding planning business, I was kind of like, I'll do all of the things, right? Like I will serve all of the people and I will create offers that are like a custom proposal for everybody and everything. Nothing of, nothing in my past business was a passive thing. So take that (laughs) Uh, with with a grain of salt. But I think that when you create in isolation, what happens is that you make a lot of assumptions about what people want, what we want to do. And we try to impose our beliefs, our ideals, how we want to work on somebody else without really consulting them about what it is that they need, um, without understanding how they would describe their problems, right? Without understanding what it is that they need from us and the value that we can truly offer and the solutions that we can create with and for them. And so what happens is that you might have an amazing product and it might just solve the problems that people have, but what happens typically is that you will launch to crickets right? Is that you will find nobody to buy it, even though you're like, somebody give me a chance (laughs) and it will solve your problem. But it's like, it doesn't quite like fit. The lock doesn't fit into the keyhole. Right. And so like you're, you're making these assumptions about people and they're just not matching up to what they think they need is. So, um, there's a common concept I guess this is both in social work which is my training and also like in marketing as well is that like you have to meet people where they are so if they're saying one thing and you're talking about something that's related but it's not quite exactly right you're just not going to be on the same wavelength and so let's get you on the same wavelength let's get people to say oh my gosh I feel like you're reading my mind I feel like you're reading my journal (laughs) right like my diary and I feel like you just took that out of my brain that's what we want That's how we get that heck yes offer where people will whip out their credit cards before we even get to the sales page, before we get to the like real meat of the pitch, because people are just so excited that you, you understand me, right? Like that empathy is, is right there and spot on for, for whatever it is that you're trying to solve the problem for.
0: All of our listeners are aspiring product creators or currently product creators And um, I'm sure some of them listening are thinking, am I doing this? Am I creating a product in isolation or worse yet, have I already done this? (laughs) How do we identify whether or not we've done that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's different for every single person, right, where they're starting and all of that. I think one of the things is, like, if you've done service-based work and you're creating a product based on your knowledge, then you're probably doing okay, right? Like, you kind of have a gist of what it is that that they your audience will need. Um, one thing I will say about that is that you have to go back to the drawing board and, like, ask them about, like, where they are right now so that the marketing also meets the actual demand and not just the product, right? Like the product might be great, but if you don't know how to talk about the solutions and the, the, the reason why people need it right now, why you, why this, right? Then it's going to flop. And on the other hand, if, if you haven't done one-on-one work and you haven't really done interviews with your dreamy clients and you don't really know who your dreamy clients are and your audience is really pretty wide and you're like, I can help everyone, right? It's probably not going to work as well. I think that getting really specific for both, both audiences that we just talked about is going to be really helpful to understand that like, like what is it that they are both struggling with is going to be incredibly helpful. Um, You know, I was just thinking about, I I follow this person on Instagram. She doesn't really have like a very specific business, but it's all about like her hand lettering and handwriting is so beautiful. And so she just like does journaling and she posts about her journaling and she had a goal to create a course about like um, like writing pretty letters. And I was like, that's solving a problem, right? And I think that she's done a lot of surveys. She gets a lot of comments, she gets a lot of engagement. People are always asking her, like, how do you do this? How is your handwriting so pretty? All of that. those are those are like getting to the core of what her potential audience, could want and need, even if she's never offered this as a service before. So I think just understanding where people are engaging with you, where people are who uh, their interests are heightened, I think that's going to be something that you're going to want to look for if you've, even if you've never interviewed somebody or worked with somebody one-on-one. Where would you get started with this? Like we want to do
0: things the right way, What the way to go? And then Mm kind of like the second part of that is I don't have any customers, I don't have any experience, I don't have a current audience, how could I create a heck yes offer when those people don't exist?
1: Yeah, so just as a caveat, I think that this would be a really great, like just a a plug for the workshop that we've created. So we have a heck yes offer workshop that you can go to at rainandco.com forward slash heck yes. And this will take you through the five-part five framework. My gosh, I can't talk. Sorry, guys. Um, but the framework basically is all about, it starts with you. So we've been talking about the dreamy. We've been talking a lot about what they want and need. But actually, I think that the, the biggest mishap happens when we're looking for all the experts telling us what to do and how to do it. And I think that the biggest thing that we need to slow down and do is consider, what do I want? right and the reason being is because when we get to the end of the success path you don't just want money you want a life that is exciting and happy and freedom filled whatever your values are right and you have to embed that into your into your offer now and so if that means that you want to be able to sit by the pool at two in the afternoon or go to a movie in the middle of the day, that is possible for you. But if you don't do it, if you don't start like kind of breaking those things down now and putting those into your calendar, it's not going to work. So the first step is really understanding who you are, what you want to do and like what gets you really excited about the work that you do. Right? Like, so what do you really wanna teach? What do you wanna be known for? What are the things that you're gonna to want to offer to the world in, in a passive format? And like, do you wanna really be known for this thing that you're about to, to teach the world, right? To give people. Um, so that's where we get started. Like doing a, a deep dive reflection process about all the things that you could potentially talk about, right, like there's so many things that we are potentially good at, could possibly teach somebody who doesn't know anything about it, but do we really want that? thing to be our thing. And then the second part is to really understand about like who your dreamy is. And like you said, like I have no customers. I don't know who my people are. I think just starting to engage and thinking about like, Who are the kinds of people that I like to talk to on a daily basis? Um, I like to think about, you know, like my people are creative entrepreneurs. They're multi-passionate human beings, but it didn't really start out that way. The the person that I kind of had in my mind was a female entrepreneur who may or may not be in the wedding business. That was kind of like my first identity, you know, for my ICA. And now she's evolved and she's like a lot more detailed. But you might not be there and that's totally okay. But just having like a general sense of like, okay, so this female entrepreneur who is a potential creative or wedding vendor person is not that exterminator that I met at a networking event, right? Probably not. He has got a lot of needs that I could potentially fulfill. Not interested in that. That's not the vibe I'm going for. And so like kind of listening to your gut and saying, okay, who generally am I talking to? Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing that I would start with if you don't have any idea. And one of the things that I, I often like to talk about with my clients is they don't like to go and interface with people for whatever reason. It's like scary to them to like get on a call with somebody who may or may not sound like them. You're not trying to pitch them. You're just trying to get on a call and say, "Hey, I just want to learn a little bit more about you. What your needs might be. What questions do you have? Um, like, how can I clarify what I do to somebody like you?" And just getting on these um, dreamy client interview calls gets us closer and closer to those people. So I think that that's where I would start. And that's like the first two f- parts of the framework.
0: Okay, yeah. So yeah, guys, definitely go check out that workshop for sure. It sounds like the rest of the framework would be <laughs> super, super useful. But I love, Reina, I love what you said about um, connecting with your with your dreamy customer um, and like really liking who they are. Um, And it's interesting. I'll go on like a two second tangent here, but I was, we have a a mastermind meeting inside of um, the Rebel Boss University membership. And there was somebody who joined in that call one day and basically like started crying and was very upset because like she chose something to create a product about that she didn't really love, which addresses like your first point,
1: Mm -hmm. talking
0: about what you really love. If you're not loving what you're doing, then it's going to really like feed through and your customers will start to get that sense. And it will also feel like a, but it's like soul sucking. Like it takes everything out of you. Absolutely. She also wasn't like loving the people and that's like both sides of that are detrimental. Like if this is your job, you, you need to love what you do and you need to love the people that you're working with. And, mm-hmm. like, I love that you mentioned that it's not just about your customer and like them benefiting, it's also your business and your rules. And you really need to love both sides of that.
1: Yeah. I think it's like one of it, it's kind of like being in a nine to five job and not liking your coworkers, right? Even though your clients aren't your coworkers, those are the people you're going to spend a lot of time with and you're serving. And so, if you feel like the, the people that you're serving are not like, like buoying you, All right? That's a kind of a hard word to say, but like, like, like making you feel like super excited, and you can't really cheer them on to getting to that level of success, whatever, whatever you're offering, right? You're not going to really get the best results with them, right? You're not. They're not going to want to celebrate with you. They're not going to show up for the testimonials that you need and want. All of that stuff. Does it feel like it feels like a mismatch? And so I think that if it feels like and meh, it's not going to, it's not going to go. hmm
0: and I think that for, especially for a lot of folks who are probably listening, um, some people already have ideas for products that they want to create because they might be somewhat of an expert. So let's just say, for example, um, crocheters, is that the is that the <laughs> yeah. way to say it? Crocheters? <laughs> sure. So, I'm just making up words here. So. Yeah, so, well, we're going to cool. go with that. I apologize to anyone who crochets and I'm just saying it wrong. Please correct me. Anyway, so you're an expert in crocheting and um, like, you don't really love it but like you're good at it. So you just make a product about it at mm-hmm. some point, like maybe it will be lucrative, but will you show up every day? Like hundred percent? Probably not.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And I think that like, just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to create a product around it. It doesn't mean that you have to create a business around it. Right. And I think that, um, Liz Gilbert talks about this in big magic, but like, don't make your, your thing that you love have to be a moneymaker. Sometimes those two passions can be completely separated or the passion can be separate from the money making. Sometimes it is this one and the same, which is awesome and amazing. But I don't know. I think that just because you like crocheting doesn't mean you like to teach crocheting either.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if you're going to build a business and let's be honest, it's not easy. None of this is easy to do. So if you're going to go through the motions of building up a business that hopefully is around for a long time, why would you build it on a product that you don't love for people that you don't love spending time with?
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting because the passive product in like kind of messaging in the past has been like, well, you just do it. And then it's done forever but my finding is that when there's new things to like show up for like there's new technologies and crocheting or like new trends or whatever mm. you're gonna want to show up for those or your community isn't going to find you to be relevant and they're not going to continue to buy from you right and so i think that's the thing that that we really need to assess at the beginning of when we're starting these projects like do i really want to spend time not just creating it once but potentially updating it and to continue to sell it and to continue to nurture it and to support the people who are in it and have bought from me. So all of those things are absolutely important in consideration. Like it's not necessarily the first thing that you need to consider, but I would say that it's definitely part of the like ongoing consideration of like, do I want to continue to nurture this, this product? Yeah. Because if, if you don't, it won't be passive forever.
0: <laughs> right. Let's talk a little bit about um, the heck yes offer for your dreamy client. Part of that part of the consideration here for creators needs to be what kind of product will be the heck yes. And it won't necessarily be the topic of the product, but it will be the format that the product is delivered in. Do you have any information on that? Like from your perspective, how do we choose the format of the product to fit with our ideal customer?
1: Yeah. So this is such an interesting question and I actually don't get to talk about this very much. So I'm excited that we get to, to piecemeal this together. I think one of the things to consider is like, what is the price point at which the, the pain will be solved? Right. And so if it's a really big, complex thing, then it might be more cumbersome, more intensive, and it might be like either um, like a big course or something like that. But it could just be like a recipe that like that needs to, that is like a special family recipe that you're finally willing to like unveil or something like that. That could be a little bit less involved. It could be, you know, whatever. And so just kind of like thinking, thinking about the threshold at which your ideal client is going to be like satisfied or not satisfied. So, um, and like the modality also really depends on your ideal client as well, right? Like I know that for a fact my, I, I've had this conversation many times with my deaf client, but like if somebody's deaf, a podcast is not going to do it for you, <laughs> right? Yeah. It needs to be a YouTube video or a video that's captioned. And there's, there's a, like the modality does matter for people like in terms of accessibility. Um, so yeah, I don't know if this is answering your question, but I think it's like, consider your audience. What do they need? What do you want to like show up for? Um. Like what is the best way to showcase the the skills or talents that you're trying to teach somebody? I think if somebody made a podcast for me about cooking, I would not be interested in buying that. I would want to see somebody showing me how yeah. to like do something because I am not very good at this. Like show me the the steps and like show me the pictures and the step by step of like what I can print out. And and so like the the modality of the one training is important. So like let's say it's like a video you might have worksheets, you might have a workbook, you might have other training materials to go alongside of it. Um, so yeah, this is not a really like succinct or a thought through no, thing, but, you, but I think you're bringing up a lot of good points for people to consider, which is really,
0: really important.
1: Yeah. I think just like for, for me as an educator, one of the biggest things to consider is like, what is the adult learning process, right? And who is it that I'm targeting? And maybe you're you're, students clients aren't even adults so that's another thing to consider if you're talking to kids that's a totally different process But like, what is the the adult learning or like your ideal client's learning process, and what is it that you can give them in order to make it happen? I think the first time you do it, it's not going to be perfect, right? It's it's okay that it's not going to be perfect. And um, for Dreamy Client Magnet, which is like our signature program, we started on Thinkific. It wasn't the prettiest. Our workbooks weren't all that great. Our videos needed to get re-recorded. And now we are on a different platform that looks so much prettier, and everything is a little bit more like contained. And so the process and the, the educational like experience feels a lot different. So I don't know. I just, I, I think it's about like, what do you want to give them? What do you think that they need and making sure that you're serving that.
0: Yeah. And I think that that ultimately comes back to like right where we started off the conversation, talking to your clients and figuring out like what wavelength that they're on and getting on that same wavelength. Cause I know for me, um, a lot of my customers, their customers are moms, and mm-hmm. um, so a lot of them want to create some sort of course that has audio that people can listen to on the go because moms are totally. busy, right? Like, uh, you know, yes.
1: <laughs> I want to be able to wash the dishes and do my laundry and listen to your videos so or listen to your. Yeah. An ebook is like out of the question unless you have mm-hmm. an audio
0: version of that. Totally. <laughs> so and I, that like is that helps make. It might not be the determining factor for people in buying a product, but it makes that an easier yes if the product is in the right format for the customer.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Last, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Ali Casaza, who like sells to moms, she was in her Insta story. She was talking about this course that she released and how accessible was it was, and it was so easy for people to watch. And and another thing to consider too is that her videos are like ten minutes. or Her audios are like ten minutes, rather than like this drawn out thing that could be forty or fifty minutes, right? Like as a business course creator, my videos are much longer than hers. I think they're like maybe in the neighborhood of like twenty five minutes which is not super long, but it's relatively longer compared to her session. Yeah. And so like she knows that the attention spans of her audience are a lot different than somebody else's. And so that might be another consideration too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like
0: definitely the length and type of content that you create, whether it's Mm -hmm. for your paid product or not, you know, yeah, I agree to consider. So the other aspect I definitely want to touch on before we wrap up is um, objections. So, when we're thinking about creating an offer that's like a no question, I need to buy this. It's going to solve the problem and pain point that I have in my life. The only way that you can successfully do that is if you know your clients super well that you can anticipate all of the qualms and questions and like worries that they have before they even know that they have those worries themselves. So any recommendations on how to approach that?
1: Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things is that everyone has the same types of worries. They worry about the value of the program, right? Like, is this the right fit for me? Is this the right time? And then do I have the time to even get through this? Like, I'm too busy to even do X, Y, and Z. How am I supposed to do this other thing on top of it? Right? Like, we're all strapped for time. And then the last thing is, like, money. Because, we all want to know about the money. <laughs> like and money is hard. Right. And so like, is this investment going to be worth it? I think one of the best things that you can understand about your product is like, what are the biggest promises, the biggest transformations that your product is trying to create? And if you can answer that in the objection of value, time or money, you're going to be like so much better set up and find different ways of talking about it. And understanding like, what if, if this one thing changed or if these two or three things changed, what would be worth it to your client, Mm -hmm. right? What would be worth it to these people that are going to buy your product? Um, and I think that like, we get kind of stuck in this, um, mentality of like, it's awesome. It's going to be great. Like buy it. (laughs) That's not really great marketing and thinking about like going back to that, original uh, like uh genesis of like why you created this product to begin with it's solving a problem what is that problem and how do how does she actually say that she has this problem like as a life coach when I was starting out I would say stuff that was like very floofy and like let's you know transform your life to you know so that you're more inspired or whatever it's like that no one cares Reina <laughs> nobody cares. Like maybe they do at like level four five and six, but they're not like, that is not their presenting issue that they're worried about. Um, and so like, how does it actually come out of their mouth when they, you know, when they talk to their partners, their husbands or kids, their friends, whomever, like, how are they describing those problems? And like, if you can just be a fly on the wall, what would, what might they say? Even if you don't have that ideal client yet, if you can empathize with your dreamy client you could probably write pretty good copy. Mm-hmm.
0: The best advice that I was ever given was keep your marketing stupid simple. Uh, yeah. In terms of like the message that you, you use to describe your product. Um, and that's it. how I like name all of my things and create the value incentive for all of my programs. It's usually the format of like achieve X in X amount of time or mm-hmm. um, achieve X, you know, without, X like yeah do two
1: times more work in
0: half the amount of time. Right? It's so funny. My
1: brain doesn't work that way. I think it's because I'm an Enneagram too, and I'm an ENFJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be curious to hear what your type is. But like my people are like very emotive humans, mm-hmm. and the they buy because of, because of a feeling rather than like the numbers concretely. Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting to know too. Like your people buy because they want those number results. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh yeah, Yeah.
1: absolutely. And that's why my
0: entire, it's interesting. Like I've changed my brand a lot and people who have been around since the beginning know that, you know, I, I recently added in rebel, like my brand is the rebel boss brand because, um, we like are straight to the point, no fluff, like the Mm -hmm. fruity, like, womenly marketing that you see all around mm-hmm. is not really, like, the kind that appeals to yeah. people, let alone to the people that, you know, f- stick around and hang out with me. Yeah. Um. So I like quick, tangible results, like, very, very practical, and that's kind of totally. like what I give to my people, and I, yeah. know, I think that that's, like, it, it doesn't, like you said, it's not going to be what works for everybody. But oh, that's okay. It's definitely Yeah. Like there's not one way, which is kind of fun. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a double-edged sword, right? Because <laughs> whatever you pick will, re- you know, other people will like stick to it and then other, you'll repel other folks, but that's the point. Yeah,
1: right? I think so. And I think that at different points in people's businesses or people's, you know, lives, they'll want different things and that's okay. Yeah. That's why people have different mentors. Right. And, um, yeah, so I think it's like a combination of like who like who you are as a person with who your dreamy client is and like just making sure that those things are matched up rather than like in conflict.
0: So what are we missing? Is there anything else you feel like we should hit on before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, I think it just just a little bit of an encouragement that like if you feel like you have launched a crickets we have all done it right. <laughs> Yeah,
0: raising my hand if you can. raising my hand right like if, if
1: you have launched a crickets or it just hasn't resonated it doesn't mean that your product is bad it doesn't mean that you are bad it doesn't mean that like your thing doesn't have any worth or you don't add, v- add value right it's just really about like how can I how do I need to rewrap this present so that people are like oh my gosh I want it <laughs> right instead of it being like a oh Okay. Well, that's another thing that I don't need to be paying attention to. Like another thing that I really, really love is like, if you have the excitement and then the enthusiasm and like, you can show that off, you're going to be so much more likely to convert people just with that energy. And so get aligned with that. Like, why do people need this? Why should people care about the thing that you care about so much? And how is it that you can like add a lot of value? Um, my uh, mentor <laughs> Melissa Kazara, do you guys do you know Melissa? I don't think so. She um has this obsessed community and she talks about like if you were to talk to a friend and you're like, okay, so let's all go to this movie that's coming out next week and we should all watch it because it's gonna be great. Or if, if somebody was like, Oh my gosh, did you read this review? Like, it's going to be so amazing. And this hot guy's going to be in, in this, like that energy is like so much more contagious. And you're like, Oh my gosh, why do I need to pay attention to this? You're just going to be a lot more alert. And so I, I love that example from her. It just reminds me of like, I have to energetically show up for the sale and the offer and like yeah. the audience to be rece- receiving of the message. Are you a game of Thrones fan? not I've never watched um, a single episode okay, there's no
0: judgment here whatsoever I'm um, full <laughs> disclosure I jumped on the bandwagon late this is my first season watching it live with the season but you obviously are not living under a rock so you know that like 98% of the world is watching Game of Thrones
1: right now <laughs> You're yes
0: just minority um the excitement that people use to talk about that like I feel like that, that is an example for how you should show up for yeah. your customers I love product it. Yeah. And I, I don't even think agree. we need to discuss that more because everyone listening knows it came through. Whether you watch it or not, you know it's there, you know what it is, and you know people love it.
1: Yep, absolutely. It's like, at, was it yesterday or whenever it was like live? Yeah. My whole Facebook feed was like, G.O.T. 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 I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but good, l- good luck. <laughs>
0: Cool. All right, Reina, so tell us a little bit about where we can find you online. Tell us again about that workshop so anyone listening can find that.
1: Yeah, come hang out with me online. I'm over at reinaandco.com forward slash heck yes for that workshop. Um, I'm about to head out on maternity leave. I think as of this, like when, when this goes out, I will be on maternity leave. Um, and the only place I'll be hanging out online is over at Reina and co- Company um, on Instagram. So I love Instagram and I love DMing with people. The people who are going through the workshop have been messaging me on Instagram, which is super fun to see. Um, so yeah, it's just a really fun way to communicate and like just kind of get in the the know of all of the things that that I'm working on.
0: Awesome. Well, good luck to you with the baby. Thank you. Leave and really excited to share this episode with everyone.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: episode 25 of rebel boss ladies with our amazing guest Raina pomeroy and me eden freed if you loved this episode show us that you loved this episode by dropping us a review on itunes and don't forget to spread the love on social media take a screenshot of this episode share it on social and be sure to tag me and tag Reina. rebels it's that time again keep kicking ass keep putting in the work and most importantly keep showing up